0: Well hello friends, welcome back to Mike's podcast. Um it is good to have you on here. It has been a little while since I've recorded one like this. I'm sitting by myself in my backyard bunker and uh staring at the wall that is here in front of me in my little home office that I've got here in the back and um as we get going here, I got I got some stuff to share that I think I think will be good and helpful. Um, But just a little context for a few things here. When I started this, I promised myself that this podcast wasn't going to be a burden. Because um, if you and I don't know each other personally, I spent the last 20 years in ministry where I regularly had to produce content every week. And it was content that had to be smart and funny and insightful and fresh And for those of you that have done that, you know, like that takes a toll on you after a period of time. And so I've been in a season where I'm intentionally not doing that, where I'm intentionally not having this regular schedule where I've got to be creating new, fresh content all the time. And at the same time, there are these things that are stirring in me that I want to share. And so um, I don't feel bound to have any kind of schedule of that right now. Uh, I think at some point, it's possible that that will change, but for right now, but for right now, it's just kind of, it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to let this go for too long without recording something, but at the same time, I don't want to feel like I've got to get something out every Wednesday. And so I had some things brewing and then felt like we hit this moment as a country where I needed to create space for black voices and felt like, my responsibility was for my voice to take a back seat for a little bit and to point you towards a few other voices and for me to get out of the way for a while. And like probably a lot of you, I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of conversations, a lot of self-examination during this time. And um, and maybe at some point we can talk about those of us who are white, we can talk about like, hey, what does it look like and mean for us to engage in this moment and to do it well and I think some of that came up in those last few conversations, but but I think I think we need to have some more conversations. I, I'm not ready to I'm not ready to like engage in that in this kind of space yet. But what I do want to walk through today, as we get back into it, and as we get back into me talking to you, but from this empty bunker room where I am hanging out, so I want to. I want to look at this ancient psalm. It's Psalm 126. And Psalm 126 is found in this grouping of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. And hopefully as we get into it a bit, I hope that you'll get an idea of like why I want to talk about this psalm in particular. Now, now the Psalms of Ascent were psalms that every year the Jewish people, they had these three major festivals they would celebrate. And because they had scattered all over, it's called the diaspora, they're living all over the place. They're not living just in Jerusalem anymore. Three times a year, what would happen is the Torah observant Jews who were able, who lived all over the place, they would make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And as they made their way to Jerusalem in groups and in caravans, they would sing or recite or chant these Psalms of Ascent as they traveled some people even called them like songs for the road They they were these songs that that sort of prepared them for where they were going i don't know if you ever have like music like this that it's like it's the music that you always listen to the songs you and your friends always sing when you're going to do this thing that in my family we we like to take a road trip every year and with the kids we get in the car early one morning when we're going to go out and have our long drive for the day. And the first song that we always put on is on the road again. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't matter where we're going. If it's going to be a road trip on the road again gets played. And it's like, it's sort of like marks the journey for us. And it says like, we're, we're entering into this space. And maybe you could think of the Psalms of Ascent, it's sort of like they're on the road again songs for the Jewish people heading back into Jerusalem. They're what they would use to prepare themselves as they made their way back into the city these three times a year, where they'd have these major celebrations or these, these big parties. And they really were these parties to, to celebrate the goodness of God. To celebrate the goodness of life in the midst of everything else that was going on. That regardless of, of what had been happening for you, regardless of whether it had been a hard year, or maybe your crops hadn't done well. Maybe one of your children contracted a disease that there wasn't the medicine at the time to, to care for. Or maybe, maybe there was some uncertainty about what was going on, about what would be next, about what the year would bring but in the midst of all of that regardless of all of that going on in the midst of it they would move towards these celebrations but but here's the thing you you couldn't just like show up for it it's not like you could flip a switch and just sort of like move from the rhythms of normal life and all that you have going on in normal life and just flip this switch and suddenly be in a place of celebration You can't move from just, like, surviving and getting by to, like, all of a sudden relaxing and enjoying good people, good drink, and good food, which all would be a part of these celebrations. You needed something to help ease you into this different mindset. You needed something to, like, begin to shift your mind in a way that you would be prepared for this different kind of engagement. And so, as they made their way to Jerusalem... The highest city in all of Palestine. As they ascended there, these Hebrews left their routines of life, and they left their towns, and they left their villages, and they left their farms, and they left their cities, and they made their way as pilgrims up to Jerusalem. And as they did that, they engaged in these Psalms of Ascent. They recited them, they sang them, they chanted them. They did it to remind themselves, to refresh their memories of the, what the Lord had done but it was also to prepare themselves so that they could show up fully. Because otherwise what would happen is that they would be there, they would be in that place, and they would go through all of the right motions. They would be at the celebration, they would be at the party, and they'd be doing all of the right things. They would be doing all of the right like religious motions, all of the stuff that they're supposed to do, saying all of the right words, doing, doing all of the right stuff, and they could be there doing all of that stuff, but at the same time, They could be completely disengaged from it. And, And you know what that's like, don't you? You've experienced that. It's like there are times when you're with your kids and you're you're doing all of the right stuff, but you've got other things on your mind that you're trying to sort through. Those times, those moments when your body's present, but your mind, your your mind is somewhere else. It it's like you're there but you're not really there. You're not fully there. And these psalms, these psalms of ascent, they would be this way of preparing themselves to be fully present, to experience what God might want to do in them and through them during that time when they're there, to prepare themselves to be in that place differently than they were in their day-to-day life, to prepare themselves to be there and to be fully there. And I want to spend a few moments with you talking about a line from this psalm that has been doing that for me in this season. It's this line that, like, captured me a long time ago. Um, and I have ruminated on it and thought on it in all kinds of different ways at different times. I find myself seeing it play itself out in new ways for me in this season. It comes from one of those Psalms of Ascent. It's Psalm 126, like I said. And it opens up this line that's captured me for years. Here's what it says. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Now, now the Israelites, they had this long history of ending up in situations of oppression and bondage and being delivered from them. And for 400 years, as maybe you probably know, they served as slaves to the Egyptian empire. They were delivered by God as they crossed the Red Sea. You turn the pages in the biblical story and you find the stories then of David and Saul, where there are these years of sort of like guerrilla warfare against the Philistines. And then there are factions in the kingdom as David is anointed as king, but he's being pursued to be killed by the, the manic King Saul. And then you turn just a few more pages and you have the, the story of the Babylonian captivity, which is what this psalm is actually written after. Israel goes through this horrible experience of of rape in the streets, of neighbors forced into bestiality, of a 600-mile a forced march across a desert and the taunting mocking of their captors. But when this psalm is written, it's as they've been freed from that existence and they've been restored to their promised land. And it's in the restoration that the psalmist says, we were like those who dreamed. The word that's translated as dreamed is the same word that could also be translated as being restored to health and, and being made strong. Because there's something about dreaming that's a byproduct of being restored. There's something about dreaming that's that happens when you are healthy, when you are whole, that it's one of the overflows the outcomes of that because when you're in a bad place you, you can easily give up and, and you don't dream when you're in a bad place all that you can see is what's just right in front of you and so to have like a vision for what you're engaging in in life to dream to want something more to to look for something bigger to chase for something that's beyond it, it feels like too much Frankly, like, you just don't have that capacity for it when you're not in a good place. It's why one of the things that's, that's too often true of those who live impoverished lives is that it's difficult in that space to have any big goals or visions. Because when, when you're just trying to survive, when you just want to make it through the day, and you're just making sure that you have enough food to eat, and you're spending your time figuring out a safe place where where you can rest for the night, You you don't have the capacity to dream cuz survival survival keeps you from dreaming because you're just trying to make it through the day it, your focus is on just making it through I, I mean do you remember maybe in high school or, or maybe like in college you took like psych 101 and, and you learned about maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and it was always pictured it was like this this pyramid and the professor teacher would would put up this this pyramid and it would have these like different layers to it. And at the bottom, at the most sort of like bottom place, the foundation is like the most basic needs were at the bottom. There are things like basics, uh, physiological needs, things like food and water and rest and shelter. And then and then just above it were things like safety and security. And then at the the top of the pyramid were more like psychological kinds of needs. Things that were like less tangible, like feeling accomplished, feeling important, feel like you belong. And then at the top of the pyramid, or at least the top of of Maslow's original uh, creation of it, was sort of like this sense that you feel like you are living out of the fullness of who you are, that you're living out your full potential. And, and then after Maslow, there's, there's been further iterations to this and different ways that people have thought about this and and challenged it and at times. But at the top, people have added to it and said, at the top, actually above feeling accomplished and important, at the top is actually transcendence. Where you're able to fully give yourself to something that's beyond yourself. And, and in the way that I've understood Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that it's it's difficult, it's not impossible, but it's difficult to pursue the things that are at the top of the pyramid when your needs aren't being met at the bottom of the pyramid, that it sort of builds on itself. And so at the bottom, remember, you have these like basic physiological needs, things like food, water, rest, shelter, security, you have those sorts of things. And it is hard to live at the top of the pyramid, it is difficult to be doing things like living out your full potential, to be doing things like fully giving yourself to things outside of yourself when those, those needs at the bottom, those more physiological basic needs, aren't being met. It's difficult to live out of your full potential when you don't have food for the day. And it's more difficult to fully give yourself to others when you don't feel safe and secure. Or, or to put it back into the language of the psalm, it's really hard to be like those who dream when you're just trying to make it through the day. Which, by the way, have have any of you felt like that in the midst of this COVID experience? That, that you're just trying to make it through? And for us, for our family, we... We date our COVID experience starting on March 13th, March 13th, 2020. That that was the last day our kids were in school be, before they began what was supposed to be a school shutdown for just a few weeks. A- and as I record this right now, hitting the record button today, we are now 23 weeks into this, more than five months, almost six months into this. And if we're going to be honest, it's been five or six months without a clear end in sight, without a clear direction of like, where is this thing headed with a whole lot of uncertainty? And and how many times have you and I had the experience where we're we're just trying to make it through this thing? I, I, I mean, at first, I think for a lot of us, it was like, we can do hard things, right? That it was like, we will buck up, buck, buck up with a B. We will buck up and we'll make it through and we told ourselves that and we like we put signs out in the yard that said that and we posted things on our car windows and and like we kind of had this like we are gonna make it through like mentality and we had that at first but then but then it like dragged on and on and on on and as it has dragged on and on and on, I'm seeing people respond to this sort of like this this uncertainty and this like where is this all headed and where is there any kind of end in sight? I'm I'm seeing people respond to that in a few different ways these, these like large overgeneralized categories that that there's this one group that that they're the like let's just get back to normal as quick as possible. And, and for the most part, the, the people that I know in this space are not necessarily denying what's happening. They just want things to be the way that they were. There is a way that we operated six months ago. There is a way that our lives looked six months ago. There is a way that businesses looked six months ago. There is a way that school looked six months ago. There is a way that church happened six months ago. There is a way that we could engage in society six months ago. And it's like the quicker that we can get back to that, the better. And for this group of people, their dreams aren't about moving into the future. Instead, their dreams are actually about reclaiming some experience from the past. And I was realizing that this group of people, they remind me a bit of some churches that I've engaged with and done some work with. That while the cultural reality has changed around them, these churches hold on to some ideas of what was, and the way that church used to be for them. And what they're constantly doing is they're constantly trying to get back to a previous kind of experience that they had. And because they're spending all this energy and time and like mental focus on trying to get back to the way things were, it causes them to ignore the reality of the way things have shifted and changed underneath their feet, and they have a hard time engaging in the reality of what is as a result. And so these churches, they'll hang on for a while, They'll hang on as long as there's people who long for the way things were, as long as there's people like that, there's always going to be a group of people who will be a part of those churches, and so they survive, but to be quite honest, they're barely hanging on. They aren't making a marked difference in their community, and they often end up tired, they end up burned out, they even at times end up a bit bitter, because clinging to the past isn't actually dreaming, and it doesn't propel you forward. I mean, it's nostalgia. But it's not dreaming, because dreaming always moves you into a new future. And my guess is that in the group of people who want things to go back to the way things were, they will follow a similar path to churches that have been like that, that I've experienced in years past. But what you're pursuing, when you want things to be like the way they were six, nine months ago, you're pursuing nostalgia. And it doesn't feel like nostalgia, because... It, it, it's a nostalgia for six months ago. And nostalgia is usually something that's like for 60 years ago, not just six months ago. But things have changed that will literally never be the same again. And we can't just go back. And there is not just a like, let's go back to the way things were. And so there's a whole group that, that want nostalgia and you're missing dreaming because dreaming always moves you into a new future. And you're trying to reclaim what was rather than moving into something new. But then there's another group, and, and I think that I'm, I'm encountering more and more people who are ending up in this space, and it's the group of people who are just shutting down, where it's like, it is all overwhelming. And, and it's overwhelming, like, trying to figure out how you're going to pay your bills now. It's overwhelming trying to figure out, well, what does school look like next semester? It, you've had family members who have gotten covid and, and so even like for you maybe being out in public is super anxiety producing right now you're just trying to make it through the day and thinking beyond today thinking beyond this it's just difficult and so like the person who's just trying to find food to make it through the day and trying to find shelter for the night and safety and security for their family like you're like you're like that person right now you're just trying to make it through the day and the idea of dreaming about something beyond all this feels a bit impossible cuz it's hard to even Imagine life beyond this moment. And then there's this third group. And there's a third group who are beginning to reimagine what's possible beyond what we're experiencing right now. They're thinking about how family life might be different and the new possibilities there. And they're even like experimenting and trying some things differently right now. They're trying new ways of doing business and and new models of work there are families that are dreaming up new ways of doing school and they're they're even making plans even in the midst of the unknown and, and their plans look different than they would have looked 6 months ago but they're realizing new and different things are not only possible now but they're even realizing like they're actually in some ways required now and and as I was having these kinds of conversations and found myself having them more and more I began to notice that there were some things that this group had in common. One of the most basic things was that the group of people who were dreaming, the group of people who were thinking new things, the group of people who were were projecting something new into the future, all of them, all of them had some sort of basic security. They're financially secure. And so they're all at like salary jobs that are generally safe and they're not concerned about losing their job in the midst of this right now or they've got good savings or they've got investments that have created these like large financial cushions for them and so they're they're able to to not have to live with trying to figure out like well how will i get a new job how will i get paid next week how, how do i make sure that my family's taken care of right now they're not concerned with their basic needs being met and and because of that it's like it's opened up this mental capacity for them to be able to dream and to see possibilities and to think in new ways. And so, so back to that first line of the psalm, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. There's, there's something about security and wholeness that opens up the ability to dream. And so when you live in nostalgia, and you're just trying to cling to the past, you're trying to find some sort of security in what was, But you don't know security without that thing that was. And so when when what was no longer exists, you no longer feel secure. You you don't dream. You don't think about the future. You don't get moved into a new place. And and when you're just shut down, you're insecure about your reality. And oftentimes for good reasons. And you just don't even have the capacity to create space to dream to think about it. Because just trying to figure out, like, how do I get through this? But those who dream are the ones who the Lord has restored their fortunes, which means that they've experienced security. And I have become entirely convinced that that kind of security can be experienced in ways that are beyond just material, physical security. that That it's got to be true. It's got to be. It's got to be more than just like I've got this good job. It's got to be bigger than that. Otherwise, what you and I are going through during everything with COVID, it could easily wreck us because we are all operating with a whole lot of uncertainty and uncertainty creates insecurity. And so we can be in the space where there's a whole lot of insecurity that is so overwhelming to us that that we lose the ability to dream. But there's but there's got to be a way to live in that in the midst of this, even even for those that don't have the same kind of financial security. And I got to tell you, one of the ideas that's been really helpful for me for a while um, and became has become really helpful for me in this season comes from an Old Testament scholar named Walter Brueggemann. It's this framework that came from an article he wrote over 20 years ago called The Liturgy of Abundance and the Myth of Scarcity. And his basic argument is this, that throughout the scriptures that there's this clashing of worldviews between those who see just what's right in front of them, that that's all that there is, that what you can see is all that there is. They live with a a worldview of scarcity. What I have, what I hold on to, what I can see, what I can account for, that's all that there is. That's all the universe is going to provide. That's all that's going to be there. And because that's all that there is, I have to protect it. I have to cling to it. I have to hold to it. I have to defend it. I have to fight for it. I have to keep others away from it. And so you can imagine, can't you, how scarcity keeps you from dreaming. Because you end up becoming this, per- the, this person who spends all their time just trying to reclaim what was. Because you think that's all that there is. There's not anything more. And so the scarcity of ideas, the scarcity of how you operate, you've got to grab a hold of that. The person who doesn't feel like they have enough right now will spend every day looking for and applying for and trying to find enough. Looking at your bills every night, just stuck on your on the website of your bank account. like You, you just kind of get consumed it. Scarcity can keep you from dreaming. But the other worldview says that God is a God of abundance who operates out of abundance and that that God is good and that that God cares for me and that in him we live and move and have our being. As the 23rd Psalm even opens up, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I live a life without lack which has nothing to do necessarily with how much is in my bank account right now, but is instead about this sort of posture and trust that I have in the God who's behind it all. At the heart of it, it's a, it's a clashing of belief at what's at the heart of the universe. It is the basic operational posture of the universe, one that only has so much to give out, and it's going to run out And every person then is in it for themselves and holding on to all that they can, making sure that they themselves are taken care of. Or, or my friends, is the universe pulsating with generosity, with abundance. And that even as I give and as I care for others, like in some way there's always more where that came from. And generosity and abundance just kind of like it keeps showing up, and it, and it and it keeps doing something. And the more that I lean into it, the more that I experience it, and the more and the more that I kind of trust in it, the more that it's kind of there. And, and I got to tell you, this has been incredibly significant for me in this season. And, and I've mentioned it on here before that when when COVID hit, it significantly derailed the income streams that that I'd been developing. The the shutdown happened seven months after I left. Uh, being on staff at a church, to try and venture out into some new territory. And, and like I said to a friend recently, I, I, I don't know that this was the best timing to leave a regular steady paycheck in order to become a previously employed pastor. Um, and my default reaction was to very quickly hunker down, to out of insecurity and uncertainty, to hold on to what we had and to operate out of fear. And it caused me to operate in ways that I've mentioned on here before I didn't like. I didn't like who I was becoming. And a part of what I didn't like was feeling like I was losing the ability to dream and losing the ability to think big thoughts and losing the ability to think about big ideas and to think beyond the moment. And, and I don't know for you, but for me, it comes in waves when, when I'm in this good space, when I'm in a healthy space and I'm able to to think bigger and beyond and to be in that. And when I'm in that good space, and when I when I hit the wave of being in that healthy space, it's not because I have all of our finances figured out. And it's not because I know how all the things are gonna work out. And I've got all this certainty and clarity about it all. And because I know where things are headed, or because I've I've pivoted in some sort of way where I figured that it's not because of that. It's because in those moments I'm trusting that at the heart of the universe is a God of abundance. And so in those moments I'm learning to turn off the voices that are trying to sell me stories of scarcity. In those moments I'm creating space and silence and solitude to to more clearly be in tune with the voice of abundance at the heart of the universe. It's because the people that I'm talking to and the ones who I'm listening to most and the ones who i'm being most personally vulnerable with are ones who are also operating out of abundance and i have to intentionally open myself up to experiencing god in in that sort of way where my security my wholeness is not simply dependent on my sort of like base level Maslow physical needs being met in the way that i want them to or expect them to and when the psalmist says that the lord restored the fortunes of zion It seems that that restoration is any of the things that you need that will open you up to have the capacity to dream again. And I wonder for you, what what might you need to do in order to open yourself up to that God of abundance? I wonder for you where you might be letting stories of scarcity, stories that keep you from dreaming narratives that perpetuate fear, narratives that cause you to turn inward, ones that cause you to sort of hunker down. Where are you letting those those stories, those voices, where are you letting them in? Where are you letting them into your mind? Where are you letting them into your day? And, and maybe we need to create some distance from those voices. And so maybe there's certain people on social media that we just need to to like get rid of on our social media feeds maybe at times we need to get rid of social media altogether because it's doing that for some of us maybe we just need to decide i'm not going to argue with certain people that there are people who will like send me notes and will just go off on something and i've just learned that my response to them is i just say okay and that's and it's just like so freeing to be like i'm not going to get dragged into that story that you're selling Maybe you decide you're not going to look at your bank account, like, every day. Maybe you decide, like, on Wednesdays, that's the only day. What, what... Like, what is it that you need to do to sort of like lessen the voices of scarcity in your life? Because they're dragging you to a place that is not restorative. They're moving you to a place where you're hunkering down. They're moving you to a place where your world is getting incredibly small and you're not able to dream and you're either moving backwards or you're trying to, or you're ending up shutting down. And, and friends, it's not how we're meant to live. And so then what space are you creating for those voices that move you towards abundance? That create the space for the Lord to restore you in a way that allows you to dream? I don't know what those spaces are for you, but here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to lean into those. Create intentional space for that. Do it regularly. Put it on your calendar. Notice what those things are. Pay attention to them. Lean into them push away, close off the voices that perpetuate scarcity and open yourself up to the spaces that move you towards abundance. And may you, as you do that, may you, as you head into a new season, as we all head into whatever new realities are in front of us with a whole bunch of unknowns and a whole bunch of uncertainties still in front of us, may this psalm be for you what it was for those ancient Israelites something that disrupts you out of your normalcy a little bit, to prepare you to engage with God in a different way that exists outside of your normal, regular routines. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. May that be true for you as well. Grace and peace to you, my friends.